hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And this is Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 178. Thanks to the great people at Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll tell you more about them a little later in the show. My name's Trevor Long from eftm.com.au. And uh, joining me each and every week is a man who I'm going to keep on hold. See, I have control here of the podcast. I have the studio, uh, I have the buttons, I have the mixer. And I think we need to acknowledge before we bring Stephen into the program what a monumental week this is for for Stephen uh, and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Okay, now, just to paint the picture, last week they qualified for the NRL Grand Final, their first Grand Final in 43 years. Now, you know Stephen has an app called VoiceBite. And uh, it's a fun little app where you can share voice bites, so pieces of audio. Socially, you can share them on Twitter or Facebook. You can also send them to each other. And I sent Stephen a message midway through the second half of the game last week saying, Stephen, this is looking good. Is there room on the bunny bandwagon? And he replied beautifully. So I thought I'd dedicate the first part of the show to Stephen. And I thought I'd let you enjoy the excitement that is Stephen Fennick and the South Sydney Rabbitohs. <laughs> Hop on board, mate. There's plenty of room. The rabbit holes. Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. G'day, Trevor. That was a lovely introduction, mate. And I'm hoping we're playing that song long into the night on Sunday after the grand final all week. I have played that voice bite <laughs> from you, I think, a hundred times. It just, mate, funny. I reckon the bunny should hear that. It's that mo- It's well, like it's that motivational. I was hoping you'd play your one first because you were saying, oh, I'm on the bandwagon. Yeah. And, and uh, that's well, the reason why I said there's plenty of room to hop on board. So, uh, yeah, I'm anyway. glad you joined that one, mate. Yeah. Anyway. A special night. A special, a special week for, uh, for Stephen, who laced the boots on for South Sydney in the late 80s, early 90s. So it's a big week. 43 years in the making, but uh, we are here now to talk technology on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. So, Microsoft, they're an interesting company. Going through a lot of change, uh, you know, have to evolve with, with the times. Windows 7 was, was a successful product. Windows Vista before it, not so much. And I feel like they're having a cyclical approach to this. Windows 8, not so successful well rolled out on a consumer front because it's all you can get now, but on an enterprise level, mate, there are businesses everywhere avoiding Windows 8 like the plague. Mm-hmm. So overnight in San Francisco, uh, Microsoft announced the next version of Windows, stand by, 
Windows 10. They've literally skipped a number to, to put that much distance between the new one and Windows 8. Yeah, I think uh, interesting. I don't know why there, there might there may be some superstition around the number nine. I'm not sure. We may need to look into that. But um, it was a surprising announcement that uh, that came in the early hours of the morning. And just just from first glance, there, there's not too many things different into. There's a few like uh, design changes and maybe the appearance of the home screen. Uh, you can arrange it a little bit uh, more towards the older version with the start menu and all of that. Mm. Uh, but I think, though, what was interesting, too, was the fact that you can actually sign up to the, what they call the Windows Insider program mm. and then download the what they call the technical preview and then provide feedback for as long as this process is going to take. Which they did extensively with Windows 7. I remember being involved in that and, and being quite excited about having it so early and using it. What's interesting about Windows 10 is is not only that you can be part of the trial early on, and be be wary, don't install that as your main computer. This, this thing will be a, a dog to run and it will cause you problems because that's what happens when you're developing something. But uh, interestingly, basically, they've, they've realized that corporate entities who have hundreds of computers are avoiding Windows 8 because it is designed for the touch screen. Mm-hmm. Windows 10 will intelligently know whether you're a touch screen or not and give you the mouse and keyboard control that you need. So things like when you move your mouse to the top corners of Windows, you get these kind of weird touchscreen interface um, logic that just doesn't work with the mouse. And they're, they're just getting rid of that, basically, and, and allowing you to have different mouse controls and really bringing back the start menu. The start button opens up and you get that tiley kind of you know, Metro UI, they originally called it, um, interface that we, we see now on the kind of Windows 8 home screen. And mm-hmm. that's what they're doing is trying to bring it back to a more evolution of Windows 7 with the best of Windows 8. Yeah, uh, no, that's right. I think, though, this is the part that, that excites me. And I, I don't use Windows and excite very often in the same sentence. <laughs> but this time I will. Uh, what, what I like about their approach to this one is that they're making it uh, that it's going to run across all devices. It's no longer going to be there's a version for the phone, there's a version for the tablet, uh, the laptop, the desktop, all of those things. So it's going to adapt to whatever device you're using. So virtually they're going to ro- ro- roll out, and they try to do this with Windows 8, but they're going to try to make it so that the same software runs across all devices. Now, I think this is they've kind of beaten Apple to the punch here because more and more, the more we see, we've got iOS 8, we've got Yosemite, and they seem to me to be converging. They're they're coming together. They're sharing more and more features. They're even sharing more of a design feel as well. Uh, I think this is inevitable that that they're going to converge one of these days. And Windows, I feel, has beaten them to the punch here. Now, you you mentioned the corporate side of things and, and people now BYOD, bring your own device. Now, if they've got a Windows phone and they can do the exact same thing that they could do on their desktop computer at work, so I think that's only going to encourage IT managers to bring them into the system so that their workers can have access to the same type of interface no matter where they go. Mm. And I think you're absolutely right. If this works as it as it has to, really, because if Windows 10 doesn't work at an enterprise level, enterprises will go for something completely different. They'll, they'll go to Mac and, and Apple will, will just have an amazing run. But I think they will have success with this because they've learnt very clearly from the mistakes of Windows 8, albeit that Windows 8 is a good operating system. It's just not for the corporates. And that idea of bringing the mobile and desktop systems together is mooted, really, in, in everything Apple does because you've got your, um, you know, your launch pad on, on, uh, on Mac 
OS X, which you know, looks for all intents and purposes like an iPad interface, it could easily be a touchscreen interface. And so one, one assumes that OS 11 is going to be like that, I, th- I think, but they, they clearly are going to be beaten to that punch by Microsoft. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and, and Yosemite and iOS 8 are going to bring those two together closer. Like they're going to have things like handoff. It you know, works amazingly, that does. Yeah, too. So you start an email on your, your computer and finish it off on your mobile device and answer calls on your computer from your phone, things like that, where Windows, with a massive user base, you've got to remember there's one and a half billion people around the world use Windows every day. Yeah. And they've got a massive user base. Now, it's 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 just waiting for them to take advantage of that. It's it's just it's what's of course standing in the way is these two juggernauts. One is Apple, and the other is the Android community. And, now, but what's actually standing in the way also is simply the corporate enterprise, because of those billions, really probably seventy percent is corporate. I don't know that for a fact, but you know, at where I work, there's a thousand computers, and yeah. now each one of those people has a probably computer at home, but not all of them are Windows. And when you look at that bulk, that's what they need to upgrade. And when you think about that billion computers uh, mm. all doing a, even, a, even a cheap upgrade to Windows 10, if they make it affordable, that's a lot of cash coming into Microsoft, which is what they need. Absolutely right. You know, I, I think that this is an opportunity, I think, for them. That, that, that they're finally – and look, you know, the, 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 the old sale is you, you learn from your mistakes – and Windows have made plenty. Microsoft have made plenty with previous versions of, of Windows. Mm. So I think they're now taking the time. They're listening to the customers, both in the consumer side and the corporate side. And I think they did They did point out the fact that this is a system that can adapt to the user as much as to the device they're using. Yeah. So I think that what you're saying, they've, they've very much taken that to heart. They are, they are listening to those customers and want to bring them back and bring them to the latest version of the system because it is a little embarrassing when – most of their users, especially the corporate users, are stuck back using seven or XP, or they're they're afraid to move forward. Yeah. Uh, that that's their biggest hurdle. They've got to they've got to assure these customers that they've got their back, and this is going to be an easy transition. You know, I, I've been using a Surface for the last uh, week, and yeah, me too. I, I, I quite enjoy it. Yeah. It's good, but I I find myself always wanting to go back to my Mac, and always wanted to go back to my Windows Seven at work. I have real comfort with those operating systems, and it is such a big leap to learn and there's so many weird interoperability problems with windows 8 in that you've got these desktop apps and then weird other native apps and it's just complicated some things look stupid you know some things are made to look just for touchscreen like internet explorer the the native app it's just really weird and they need to nail all that stuff and make windows 10 a success i think they're they're on the right path for that Um, time will tell as you say you can you can sign up for the to be part of the uh, the the program to, to get access uh, please only do that if you've got a second computer and you like mucking around with these things. It's fun to be part of, but it, it, it isn't a reliable operating system. Not because it's bad, but because it's development. It's new. Yeah, that's um, right. But if, if you're interested, interested in that kind of thing, it is very cool to be part of that because over the coming months, next six months, there'll be amazing new rollouts that, that you'll see access to yeah. that, are, that are targeted at different areas. So, And you may even have some say in, in the final version. Yeah. Some feedback you provide may have some influence in how the product is rolled out, the final version is rolled out. Yeah, sign up and then download it and then say, no, this looks too much, too, too barmerish. Change it. Uh, and uh, they'll take that on board. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well, Sony have officially announced the Australian launch dates and pricing for the Xperia Z3 and the Xperia Z3 Compact, along with the wearables, the SmartWatch 3 
uh, and the smart band talk. Now, these were devices that I saw in Berlin at, e- in, uh, at IFA, and we did discuss them on an earlier program. But Sony have uh, made an interesting uh, proposition for pre-order customers where the early customers uh, are going to be offered a free PlayStation 4, which is amazing amusement to to use. Now, I've had a little bit of – I've been talking about this on the radio today and just been just talking to people in general about it. And the, the feature that seems to be exciting everyone is the PS4 remote play. So having the PlayStation 4 offered as a, as a, a free gift if you pre-order, uh, a lot of people are fascinated with that. And, and on that strength alone, people are saying, oh, you've got me because they're really keen to not only own a PlayStation 4 but also to explore this uh, PS4, the the remote play, which I, which I used in Berlin. It was remarkably smooth, mm-hmm. no lag whatsoever. So just, just to explain that really quickly, remote play is when, say, you come home and your wife's watching TV, the, the TV that's connected to the PlayStation 4. You want to play the PlayStation 4, you can still put the game, the disc in the, into the console, grab the remote that your controller, take your Xperia Z3 or the Z3 Compact or the Z3 tablet, and you'll be able to stream that to that device and play it as if you're playing the PlayStation in your lounge room. And this was... For me, the number one feature of the PS4, I've got a PlayStation Vita, which is their little handheld console, uh, and I thought using the the Vita to remotely play the the PS4 from another room was just a stunning, stunning thing. You know, I've got the Formula One game on the Vita, which is not very good because it's a couple of years old. You put the Formula One game in the PS4, and like later this year, the new Formula One game comes out, and I'm going to be able to play that on the Vita or the Sony Xperia X3. This is a fantastic feature, yes. and it really is the. F- I'm not going to say the first time, but it's it's really the first time I've felt really comfortable about this awesome Sony integration across different but, platforms. The, the, speaking of the integration, uh, we should just point out that the features of this device now it's got a great the Z3 has got a 5.2 inch screen that uses Sony's triluminous display technology that you, that they use on the Bravia TVs. It's got a 20.7 megapixel camera, which uses all their CyberShot, all their all their their camera. Te- technology. It's also got very good audio qualities too. It's capable of HD audio as well as the remote play. It's also waterproof as well uh, as, as as Sony claims. It's got a two day battery. Uh, I'll be testing that out in my review. But uh, it's come at a time too where people are asking. Like we've seen the iPhone six. You know what? What does this have that the iPhone six and six plus doesn't have? Well, there are a lot of features that that this boasts, which are far above what the iPhone offers. I think everyone is kind of mesmerised by whatever Apple does. And when you break it down, there's a lot of people, a lot of sort of some of these finicky customers who want to really sort of go like for like or compare features. They're going to be pleasantly surprised with what the Z3 can offer. Uh, it, you know, apart from it just being waterproof, that's something the iPhone doesn't have. 20.7 megapixel camera would be, I think, arguably the best mobile camera on the market. Any smartphone camera would be struggle to uh, be better than the Z3 and the Z3 Compact, which is virtually the same device, just with a smaller 4.6-inch screen. So uh, worth considering these new devices. I quite like them. You can check out the prices and that uh, PlayStation 4 deal at Stephen's website, techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. Now, back in March, I think it was, we talked about Telstra's uh, plans for a national 
Wi-Fi network that would draw yep. upon home users, broadband users, businesses who are Telstra customers to basically create a, a huge network of Wi-Fi hotspots. And what they've announced uh, yesterday or the day before is uh, in November of this year, 2014, they're going to start their little network rollout with a free trial. Now, the big difference here is that next year, say, let's say end of 2015, when their big kind of or national Wi-Fi network is available, it's only for Telstra fixed broadband customers to get free access to other people will have to pay kind of a day pass rate this trial in november across a thousand sites and we're talking about high traffic areas tourist areas is free literally free wi-fi and here's how they're going to do it it's very smart where they've got an exchange building whack a wi-fi network where they've got a shop put a wi-fi network but importantly where they've got a pay phone put a modem in because think about it a pay phone is a phone line and a phone well, yep. The phone line's there, whack a modem in, an ADSL modem, put a bloody good Wi-Fi router on there, and you've created a 100-metre circle around that that has Wi-Fi free. So free Wi-Fi on Bondi Beach, free Wi-Fi in Queen Street Mall, free Wi-Fi in Rundle Street Mall, probably in Adelaide, yep. and, and you, you sort of walk up, connect, and you're on free Wi-Fi. It'd be great yep. for tourists. It'll be great coverage for Telstra. Um, and interesting to see how the, the reliability, the passover of the networks, if you go from one to the other is, that's the things they'll be testing here. I, I agree, yeah. I think that the uh, I think at first people sort of kind of scoffed at this, thinking, why do we need a $100 million Wi-Fi network? Uh, but now the picture's becoming a little clearer. And, um, you know, I think that in light of, you know, there's a, there's a NBN rolling out at the moment and people are wondering where, what's that going to do, what, how much is it going to cost, when can we get it? Uh, but in the meantime, Telstra is working away at this this network that is going to connect us in ways where you know we are a mobile society. We're like we're not we're on the move. We're using tablets and smartphones and and things that you can't really plug a Ethernet cable into. Uh, and Telstra recognise that fact. They know that we love our, accessing our data. They know that we're communicators. Uh, and and uh, the more I think about it, the at, at first I, I I was kind of one of the doubters, thinking why would they ever want to do this? But now uh, the picture is becoming a lot clearer. Now uh, whether people sign up to become Telstra customers and share their home broadband quota uh, anywhere in Australia, that's kind of what they're offering here. You can use your home broadband allowance, uh, and a non-Telstra customers will have to pay for that access. Uh, it, it's it's they're really sort of stacking the chips in there. They're, they're stacking the blind side, if you like. They're trying to get customers to see, well, look look what we're going to be able to provide in the future and hoping to get people across. Absolutely. It'll be very interesting. The trial uh, will launch in November, and uh, you'll definitely hear more about it from Telstra. But, uh, you know, major tourist areas is where you'll find it in, in Sydney, Bondi Beach. So uh, check it out at a payphone near you. We'll be, uh, we'll be payphone huggers instead of wall huggers. We'll be hugging around the payphones looking for Wi-Fi uh, to, to suck down some data and uh, make use of that freebie from Telstra from November through to early next year as a part of their free trial on Two Bucks Talking Tech. And speaking of Wi-Fi, if you want a quality Wi-Fi for your home, then uh, you should be checking out the Wi-Fi routers from our good friends at Netgear, uh, proud sponsors of Two Blokes Talking Tech. The Nighthawk range of uh, Wi-Fi routers are staggeringly beautiful products. You know, even though the X6 is the one we've been talking about for a while, the uh, tri-band router, the, the original Nighthawk is still available. It's only, it's still under six months old. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fantastic router that really is built to the people that are looking for gaming, streaming, and mobile devices in mind. It's got next, next generation gigabit Wi-Fi, a one gigahertz dual core processor inside, so it's actually able to process the network 
faster and better, less lag, less buffering, no matter where you Wi-Fi. Nighthawk has you covered with beamforming plus and a built-in high-powered amplifiers and external antennas. It's a fantastic device which gets you ready for the extreme in your home, the Netgear Nighthawk. Check it out at netgear.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Speaking of Wi-Fi again, uh, I, I set up these uh, these things, which I think we've both got, mate, and I've been playing with it now for a couple of months, called the Philips Hue. Now, this is a, a lighting system, and the starter pack is $250. You can get it from Harvey Norman, and it basically involves a little little circular device. It's called a bridge, and you plug that into your router. So I've got that plugged into my Nighthawk, and it just sits there. And then you put a light bulb into a light socket. Now, to be clear, they are screw light bulbs only, not bayonet. So if you've got bayonet, uh, you know, light fittings, not for you. But I found a couple of you're lamps. If you got bayonet, yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> uh, I found a couple of lamps in the house that have the screw fittings. So you screw the light bulb in, and as soon as you do that, that light bulb, getting the power that it gets through the through the electricity circuit, um, attaches itself to your little Hue network, and you can open up the app on your smartphone. You can see that light bulb and control it. You can change the brightness. You can change the light temperature. And you can also change the light color. Now, where it gets stupidly weird, but also very cool, is you can you can link your Instagram account, and you can have your lights change color based on your most recent Instagram photo. Mm. That's a bit weird. You but, can also program it to change color when you get different notifications. So you get a Facebook notification, you can turn it blue, you get a Twitter notification, it goes light blue, that sort of stuff. Exactly. Pretty and cool. The, the Internet of Things, they the call The Internet of Things. And so I've, I've got the bulbs, but I've also got a thing called Bloom, which is this kind of uh, weird little desk lamp. It's, again, an LED, but it's sitting here in the studio, and it kind of shines a nice colored light up, ag- up against the wall. But my favorite product of all is the Philips Hue light strips. They are two meters. It's a two meter long strip with with adhesive tape on the back of LEDs that I've placed behind Jackson's bedhead. So when you walk up to his room, he's fast asleep. There's no light light in his room anymore. There's just this beautiful blue glow from behind his bedhead, which we can adjust the brightness of or the color. So when he's in trouble, I tell him, listen, do you want me to make your bedroom pink? He says, no. <laughs> Uh, it's a very cool product. Um, you can get it at Apple stores online or Harvey yeah. Norman, and um, well it's worth well worth a look. I think absolutely. It's, um, yeah, I think people underestimate sort of the the change uh, uh, that lighting can make to a room to the to the mood. It, it's incredible how there's there's lighting designers out there that that design lighting for homes, and here Philips have given customers with uh, you know limited knowledge of, of these sort of things all they need is a Wi-Fi network to create these kind of moods and different hues in your home. Creating so, moods in the home, Stephen. Do you think the app will allow you to program in your anniversary date? You never know. I think uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is that sort of thing where, like we mentioned, the Internet of Things, it, it gives you so many possibilities. I think it's only a matter of time. But my question is this. Mm. This is called the Phillips Hue. If your name is Hugh Phillips, do you get a discount? You bloody well should, shouldn't you? That's a very good idea, Stephen. If there's a Hugh Phillips listening... Tweet us on the Ziggy Zaggy hashtag. You're listening to Two Blokes <laughs> Talking Tech. Blackberry. You remember them? Who? You remember Blackberry? What? Do you remember the, that? Which company? episode is this? Episode one? <laughs> Blackberry. Well, I don't know who said it, but, uh, you know, rumors of their demise are exaggerated. <laughs> they are here. They're back. 
BlackBerry well, have hang on, they've released a, a device product. <laughs> well, they they haven't released a product for a couple of years now, yeah. and uh, there were there were there was talk that the company's was about on its deathbed and and was wasn't going to last. But there was talk about Microsoft or Samsung or someone buying them. Well, they've they've come out with a new product called the BlackBerry Passport. Now, it's not your everyday device. Now, you're used to having uh, the regular shape of a smartphone, and uh, that has become the accepted, the norm, if you like, for the market. But BlackBerry have really come out of left field with this device. It's called the Passport because it's supposed to be the same shape as your your real passport. So it's got that's quite a squarish look. It's actually got a square screen, 4.5 inch high definition touchscreen. So it's got 1440 by 1440 resolution, but it's also got BlackBerry's famous QWERTY keyboard, which famous. has kept a lot of people, you have to admit, mm. in the BlackBerry family because of that keyboard. They love that keyboard. And what I love most about this device, I remember when BlackBerry had that little uh, little cursor ball there that was your mouse, and then they had this beautiful little square very square little touchpad. What they've done is they've created the whole keyboard is now touch sensitive. So when you when you have the device on its side, for example, you're on a web page, you can actually run your finger across the keyboard like your piano man without pressing the buttons. Just slide your fingers and you become scrolling. My, I think it's great, but I look at it and go, the screen's touch sensitive. Wouldn't you just scroll the screen? Yeah, but uh, that that is that that's of course a great point. But uh, the the people who like to type, like there's not many people who. There's a lot of people who don't like typing on glass. They like people like feeling the feeling of, of keys. Oh, I'm across now, that, but the the touch sensitive nature of the keys yeah, oh, well, is think, a gimmick. Yeah, I think that if they didn't have a touch screen, no one would would looked at this thing twice. But mm. the shape of the screen though is what interests me because it gives you a broader view of say a web page or a map or or a document. So rather than you having to look through this narrow letterbox shaped window. Uh, turn it on its side, whatever you have to do, like a normal smartphone. Here's BlackBerry giving you the same aspect ratio, whether it's on its side or, or upright, which I, I think is a good idea. Now, the, the, it, it will look like you, if you're making a phone call on it that you're talking into a CD case because it's kind of a similar shape. But uh, I, I'm, I'm looking to get this and to review it for Tech Guide because uh, I'd be keen to see how, A, the keyboard works. I think there's a lot of people, yourself included, who love tweeting and, and Instagramming and sharing stat- Facebook status. No, but I'm saying that yeah, typing, yeah. typing would be a lot easier with a physical keyboard. And, and that's kind of fallen out of fashion since the iPhone arrived. Mm. Uh, BlackBerry, I think, are trying to make it a dual-purpose thing where it's your trackpad as well as being a physical keyboard. Um, I, I think it's it's a, a valiant attempt. And, and from what I'm hearing, very positive reviews about the product. Uh, it's a valiant attempt for them to stay relevant in, in this market. I know it's aimed mainly at mobile professionals and those, that sort of customer but um, I think there's life in the old dog yet, as they say, Trev. Look, I'll give it a try, but I I don't believe because of the size of the device that the keyboard will be as good as the original QWERTY blackboards, the Blackberries. The, the keyboards they had for years were sensational because of their design and their layout. This thing is odd and, and weird. I'm not sure it'll be quicker. But the keyboard's we, straight, too, I noticed. Correct. Too. Remember the BlackBerry Bold used to have like a slight a curve. curve. That's the keyboard, originally yeah. called the Curve. So, yeah. Interesting stuff from BlackBerry. Uh, we'll uh, we'll try and get reviews up very, very soon on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen And just quickly, before we get to your minute reviews, uh, I've been playing around with the, uh, the Telstra Wi-Fi hotspot that is actually a great little Netgear modem. It's called the My Pocket Wi-Fi Ultimate, which is uh, actually a Netgear 785. Now, 
Great little device, Stephen, because a couple of things. A, it's uh, it's got a reasonable battery life, 10 hours of active use. So that's actual, you know, people connected using the internet. Uh, up to 10 devices can be connected at one time. And I love that it's got a screen on the front that not only shows you your Wi-Fi ID and password, but it will actually show you the amount of data you've used in your current period. So you can you can check because it's a prepaid service. 150 bucks you pay you buy it up front and you get five gig of data with it for the first 30 days. You prepay data after that, and you know you're likely to be able to see on the screen where you're at. I found it to be a fantastic device. I actually literally had it in that we took we went on holidays a couple of months ago, and I took it out to regional New South Wales, which is obviously where Telstra is at its best. Great coverage. And we, we just had it in the car so that when I had the cousins and the nephews and everything in the car, they could uh, they could be tweeting and doing whatever they're doing without uh, uh, getting complaining and everything. The, the, we had Wi-Fi in the car because of this little thing. Yeah, well, yeah, being Telstra, obviously the network's going to be great and the speeds are going to be reasonable, you know, more than reasonable with 4G. Yeah. Uh, and Netgear, their new device, I think will, I think they bought out a company called Sierra Wireless That's that used right. to make these products. So now it's a, it's a Netgear stand product, which is great, uh, you know, and shout out to our sponsors, Netgear. They, they make some good stuff. And Telstra, of course, are in partnership with them. Uh, and uh, look, I think this, if, if you really need to connect on the go, it's hard to go past Telstra with a, this 4G device. Great little device, 150 bucks, and I've got photos and a full review up at eftm.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. All right, a couple of minute reviews, and then we'll let Stephen get back into his uh, into his bunny's colours. And uh, you got bunny's pajamas, mate? You, uh, no, I haven't, but I've okay, got a bunny's t shirt and my jumpers, and I've got a flag, actually. I bought a flag. Well, it's a cape slash flag. We already know, actually, who the winner is this weekend. I don't want to. I don't want to spoiler alert, but it's the people selling merchandise. Um, so yeah, the first review you've got is uh, well, near and dear to my heart. It's a digital radio. Yeah, but it's not just any old digital radio. It's from a company called Pure, which are probably up there with the best uh, digital radio manufacturers. Uh, it's the Evoke D4. Now, it has all the uh, normal features of a digital radio. Of course, it's got crystal clear reception. It's got an FM radio in it as well. But it's also got Bluetooth. So this device doubles not only as a digital radio, but it's also a Bluetooth speaker. And there's plenty of those on the market. So to meet all your Wi-Fi needs, the Evoke D4 does a great job. It's got really nice styling, rounded edges, brilliant, really high-quality finish. My only, uh, my only, one of my only complaints was that you need, you, you can't really make this truly portable without the charge pack that you have to buy from Extra. Pure as well. Mm. They don't give you the opportunity to put in your own batteries in the back of the device. Uh, but you know that that's uh, that ain't a deal breaker. I think that's still a very nice device available in black and white. Uh, priced at $299. And as I said, it's not only a digital radio, it's also a Bluetooth speaker. You can also connect a device with a cable in the auxiliary in port as well. So it covers all your audio needs. $299, the Evoke D4. Read out about it at techguide.com.au. And this is clearly the trend. Uh, we've seen one before now that TomTom have themselves a golfing watch. That's right, the TomTom Golfer. So it's another big name in GPS now coming to the golf course on your wrist. The TomTom Golfer released at the right time because the weather's getting warmer. Daylight savings is about to kick in. It's golf season, people. TomTom Golfer. So it's got 34,000 golf courses built in. So no matter where you go in the world, it'll find you on the golf course that you happen to be playing. So it gives you accurate distances to to hazards, to layups, to the front, middle, 
back of the green. Uh, you can also keep score, keep track of the distance you've walked, the time you've taken to play your round as well. Uh, it's weather resistant, water resistant. So even if it's raining, you can still use this. That information is right on your wrist. It's not too bulky either. I've got some couple of pictures on Tech Guide. It's it's very comfortable to wear, very light, uh, not not too chunky on your wrist, but uh, a must if you're a golfer. It's only two hundred and ninety nine dollars, which is is uh, a lot cheaper than some other competitor products. It doesn't have as many features as those competitor products. But uh, if you're a golfer and want to shave a couple of shots off your game, the Tom Tom Golfer could be just for you two ninety nine. Check it out, techguide.com.au. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Uh, mate, uh, just a warning. We may need to extend this to be Three Bucks Talking Tech in about 10 years from now because uh, <laughs> I was sent a product during the week from Canon. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes they, they ring you and say, we're sending you something, what address? And uh, they, Canon, I thought, oh, I'll get a new camera here to play with. <laughs> Got home. It was a calculator. Yeah, I got this too. What color yours? Blue. Green one. Blue. Listen, uh, if you had got pink, I'd swap because my wife wants it badly. A $22.95 calculator was sent to review. I, uh, with the greatest respect to Canon, I don't lower myself to that level. Um, so I actually gave it to him. No, I'm only joking. I saw, my son saw it, little Jackson, he's seven years old, and I, he said, I'll review it. I said, oh, oh, really? So I posed four questions for him. He answered them on the, he sat there typing away on my computer. I published them at EFTM.com.au. So if you'd like to read a review from a seven-year-old of a Canon calculator, I'm not going to spoil it for you here. You have to read it at EFTM.com.au. Well, mate, that's it. That's 178 in the can. And by God, I'm hoping 179 is... uh, is, is a bunny's bunny's episode because absolutely yes otherwise we may need to take a week off no no well you know what look trev i've, I've said it many times already i'm happy that souths have made the grand final uh I, I am absolutely i'm ecstatic that they've got to this point a win would be a bonus so that's my approach of course i'll be hoping i'll be out there cheering them on i'll be watching the game at anz stadium and hopefully this time next week we can call them premiers. Sounds we shall only know in a few days from now. Until then, this is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, episode 178. We'll be back again next week. Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. Champions, one stands above the rest. Glory's old and records proud when often put to test. A fine tradition's history that others cannot best. They wear the red and green. Glory, glory to